Welcome to episode 661 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? What's up, man? I am uh, I'm pretty happy. I mean, obviously, UCF won opening round, first time winning a game of March Madness. I had now them in my pool. Play, how they get to go play Duke? <laughs> I was wearing my UCF shirt around town yesterday. Uh, I must have had 30 beat Duke. Duke sucks. Uh, I mean, it, the Duke hate is strong in Charlotte. So if you see a news report of a guy running naked down the street uh, at 730 uh, Charlotte time, that'll be me. Yeah, somehow I don't think they're going to beat Duke. I don't either. But I I wish you luck. I I really, I mean, my bracket is already busted, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Didn't Houston lose yesterday? I don't know. Uh, Wow, that would be be rather huge if they did. Honestly, I was watching baseball on my back porch. I have a TV, my old uh, living room TV. I just keep in my storage room. And I take it outside when the weather's awesome, and that was last night. Weather was amazing, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go outside, and, and I was watching the uh, the Cubs Rockies game last night. Sorry, no, I, I'm wrong. Houston won, but Villanova lost, which was one of my Final Four teams. Pretty much uh, my entire uh, the entire South region bracket for me is dead because I lost uh, Villanova and I lost Wisconsin, which were my two elite eight teams in that bracket. So. Uh, I'm pretty much screwed, I think, but that's what I get for even doing a bracket because I know little to nothing about college basketball. Hey, you do it because everybody pressures you into it and it's like you're playing the $5. Oh, speaking of which, I got to check my Powerball numbers. Huh. Oh, yeah, okay. I got to check mine too. Uh, we'll, we'll, I only play when it hits $500 million. So that's, Yeah, that's my, my mark is usually like $300 million, so I'm uh, – We'll both check our numbers real quick, and if this podcast ends abruptly, that's the reason why. <laughs> one, See you guys. <laughs> yeah, one of us, one of us hit it. So uh, one of us hit it. We're gonna be paying somebody to do it, to do this for us. Actually, no. If we hit it, we'd both just quit our jobs and like do this all day long. Oh yeah. No. Someone was saying. Uh, I think it was like Jeff Manns was talking about like if if they got like the lottery, like trout money type of lottery, uh, like he. Ray was Ray Flowers was saying like, oh well, I'd still I'd still like work a full time job. I'm like I'd be sitting on a throne built of cash. It would just be <laughs> stacks of cash. I do like a podcast a week, uh, yeah. and, and I'd, be then, like, yeah. I'd be like feeling good, Justin Mason. <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would not be worrying at all about ever working again. But uh, that being said, uh, I'm sure neither of us won the lottery. So why don't we just jump right into some news and notes, uh, and then we're going to cover your uh, your AL Towers team from, what, a week ago? God, it seems like it's uh, been so long since... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's day eight of my reign. I'm still tied for first place. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, are you, though? Because you <laughs> guys have no had idea. games. So. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm in first place in one of my dynasty leagues, and I sent out trade offers to anybody who was in like the bottom half of the standings, asking them if they were ready to punt the season. <laughs> so which, which I, I highly recommend if you want to troll your league that that that's what you do so um uh let, let's we'll start off with some uh really bad news for me because i have lots of shares of uh scooter Jeanette. Uh, I'm he, say, you have to narrow this down bad news for you i mean yeah. off, offline folks we've been in a there's a group text between paul justin eno and myself and like every time i break news Justin is shouting some expletive because that guy is on his roster 
And it seems like to be on all of your, your main event roster, right? Yes, I, I lost Scooter Jeanette from my 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 main event roster is, is uh, not starting off real great, especially considering I drafted a, a couple of guys, well, more than a couple of guys that I already knew were going to start the year on the DL. So losing a guy like Scooter Jeanette, most people in, in the main event or in NFBC don't get a DL. I'm not getting a reserve list because my reserve <laughs> list is completely filled with injured guys at this point. I'm having to make some pretty tough decisions early on. He's going to, uh, Jeanette's going to miss eight to 12 weeks with Ugh. a groin injury. Uh, it, it sounded like it was going to be worse uh, that he may have done something that could have ended his season because he, he said as he walked off the field, I felt it pop. So, uh, or as he was helped off the field because he could not walk under his own power. Uh, this is a very difficult decision for me. I'd almost rather know that he was out for the rest of the season so I could just cut him and move on. Uh, and obviously, I'm going to have to hold on for right now. But in what depth of a league are you cutting Jeanette? I would almost argue you need to do it in this league. Because, I mean, if he's going to be out eight weeks, best case scenario, that's still a third of the season gone. 12 weeks more likely, now we're getting into 40% of the season gone. Can you, with, with the amount of injuries you have on your team, can you afford to sit around and, and wait? Because if you don't cut them now, you know, it's it's these early fab seasons that really make or break because now you're going to go grab the guys that got jobs that didn't have the jobs two weeks ago when you drafted. And how, how long can you sit on this roster spot? I mean, comparison-wise, like I have – Kyle Seeger in Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I am cutting him. I'm not waiting around for Kyle Seeger to come back. I only have the seven spots. I have Sano out. I have Seeger out. And I am going to cut Seeger and pick up somebody else. Yeah, I think I'm holding on to Jeanette for right now just because I had already drafted a, well, two backup middle infielders. Uh, because I had Garrett Hampson and I was kind of hedging my bet in case he didn't make the team. Out of uh, out of camp, it, it appears he's going to. So I'm not quite as needy. I've got I've got uh, Luis Urias and I've got Scott Kingery uh, both on my roster. Though I am in a position, like you said, where it's getting pretty close. The problem is there's not much on the waiver wire that's super enticing. Yeah, um, I noticed the same thing. Looking for Se- I'm looking around for Seager replacements. I'm like. Yeah, Ryan Healy's out there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Tim Beckham, and but I'm not going to get his two homers retroactively, am I? You're the rule maker. No, I don't believe not. Not if you pick him up a fab. Son of Beach. All right. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're, the options I don't are think so. I, I don't believe. Uh, so. I believe you had to have him locked in your lineup. Okay. I have four bids. I have four guys in. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I wasn't. I'm not being terribly aggressive. I don't mind. I don't have to have it this week, so I've got four guys in there, and I should get one of them. Uh, but if not, I'll try again next week. Yeah, I have a I have a bid on Zobris, but it's not a very high bid. So uh, mostly because I, in these kind of leagues with an overall prize, I tend to uh, play kind of the lower end of the bidding game in Fab, uh, so I can try to save my money in case I am in contention for an overall prize later on. And I can mm-hmm. get more aggressive, or if I see someone, you know, if there's a Juan Soto type promotion uh, that I, I want to kind of go after hard, I, w- I want to make sure I have a lot of money left over for that. So that being said, if uh, if I get uh, Zobris, great. If not, I'll roll with Kingery and uh, Urias for now. And I think I just 
there's just not enough on the waiver wire right now for me to cut bait on on Jeanette, though. That that may be a mistake. We'll see. We, yeah, we, I mean, we may get a waiver we get, wire we, context thing, but for me, I mean, when I figure it's going to be like the same kind of thing as Seager, the ten to twelve. Uh, it's it's the grind. The, the sucky thing, what really has got to be frustrating for him. I mean, these guys spend all this time stretching and doing everything and making sure they're in, in good shape, and he hurts it fielding a ground ball. It wasn't like he was trying to run out uh, an infield single or anything. He hurt it in the field trying to field a ground ball and just making the crossover step. And you see these guys stretch before the game, and then your body just says, <laughs> psych, uh, and you're hurt. And that has to be frustrating, you know, owning them fantasy aside just for the, the real player because – you know what? I like the Reds this year. I think they're going to be entertaining. This obviously throws a wrinkle into it because you have to try to figure out. I, I guess they're going to go with Jose Peraza and Jose Iglesias up the middle, which will yeah. equate to what eight home runs combined. Uh, yeah, that's good defensively. <laughs> defensively, it should be good. I mean, uh, them running around. I still think Derek Dietrich gets some more time um, in this. I think you know for hit for his situation, Dietrich is where this um, should play out. Dietrich. If you look at a uh, maybe a Peraza Dietrich platoon there, uh, Dietrich has to play. I don't think he can play shortstop even on a, a temporary basis. I don't think he has the arm for it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, so we'll see. This enhances his value a little bit in the short term. Um, you know, they said they're going to send Jesse Winker and leave him in Louisville so he can work on being an outfielder. But maybe they change their mind you and mean, say, you know uh, what? Uh, uh, not not Winker. Um, Senzel. Senzel. Sorry, yeah, Senzel. Um, uh, Sinzel uh, and leave him down there. So uh, that's that's what they said yesterday. We'll see if if they change that. But uh, that's what they said they want to do, and they need to get that. They need to get him started on that track because obviously you have uh, you've got Shebler who is just holding, keeping a spot warm for Sinzel. Uh, you've Puig in his final year of his deal. You've got Kemp in the final year of his deal. So they need to get Sinzel ready for the outfield. Uh, yeah, Sinzel ready for the outfield. Yeah, I don't know why they just don't move him back to second. I I, under, I understand that Jeanette will be back at some point, but uh, it'll all work itself out throughout the season. If, if you're going to be missing him to upwards of three months, get, Senzel played second base all season long last year. Get him, Just get him into the lineup and get him on your team. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they would want to set him down anyways just for the first three weeks to gain that extra year of service time. But this whole moving him back, you know, trying to get him ready for center field, Seems a bit silly to me. If you've got a ton of outfielders, why why not just with, with the natural opening now with Jeanette Hurt? Right. Why not just put him back at second base and and figure out the rest later? Yeah, but that's not what they're going to do. Let them do it next offseason. Um, I mean, then again, you look at they're in a very tough division, uh, obviously, and I, you don't know if they have enough pitching. I mean, I think they're going to be better than people think they will. Uh, you know, than the than the odds makers have them at. I, I think it's a very curious team with uh, Discofani and uh, Tyler Molly working on things. Tanner Roark looking good this spring. Um, yeah, everybody knows how much of a Derek Johnson honk I am. Uh, and I think he's going to do some nice stuff here with the pitching staff. It's just, can the offense, and the offense not having to worry about, you know, Billy Hamilton driving it. I mean, this this offense is now more balanced, um, and I really like the top four pieces of it. When you got Winker, Vado, Suarez, Puig, based by roster resource, uh, Shebler on a bounce back. This is a, a more well rounded lineup, and I think it can I think it can do some damage. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think this is going to be. Well, uh, I I don't think they're finishing last in this division. I, I don't know that they're going to finish third. No, that's the Pirates. Yeah, I think the Pirates are finishing last. So, uh, let's move on to something that's a little bit nicer uh, for a number of my teams. Uh, Eloy Jimenez gets paid, which means he's likely Boo! to start the year in the major leagues. I know this sucks Boo! for you because you were looking forward to getting. Uh, to see him at least one more time before yes. uh, the start of the year. But uh, let's put that aside and then talk about where you're at on Eloy Jimenez. Uh, where I'm at is it sucks. You know, the uh, <laughs> Charlotte Knights and Durham Bulls are the opening series. I can't make opening night because I'll be flying home from Portland, but I'm going to go to game two. And I was like, all right, get to see Jimenez one more time. Yeah, no, not happening. Uh, You'll get you know, Alcides Escobar, though. Oh, man, I know. I am. Uh, yes. Oh, boy. So excited about that. Uh, you know, where, where I'm at with Jimenez, I think if you were drafting him, you know, if in the last couple of weeks before this happened, you were drafting him with the expectation he was going to be down three weeks. You just got three bonus weeks. Yay. Uh, but now we're talking about a guy who is, you know, he's coming up day one and has to learn at the major league level and, he should do well. I mean, he raked everywhere last year, uh, and then now it's just a matter of. And he's got, he's got some nice veteran presence around him. I think. I think I mentioned this a couple of months ago on one of the episodes. It, you know, I think he and Jose Abreu can become really good friends, uh, and and it's a it's a nice situation for him to to come into. It's not like like I would be fearful if he was coming into a place that was all kids. And, but this is not the case here. I mean, he's there. There's some. There's a nice mix of veteran. Uh, I think Jose Abreu will be a, a nice way to uh, uh, for him to have a nice soft landing in there. Um, but again, you just got three bonus weeks of production from him, and I didn't have a I didn't have much of a problem where he was being drafted when he was being drafted. But now that he's getting those three weeks, those drafts uh, where he was being taken, that's now a bargain. It's a steal still because the last three days in the main event alone. Uh, there's been 12 drafts. Uh, his ADP is 110. Wow. With a with a min pick of 70. I I was saying on the last podcast with Paul that I would take him in the top 75, uh, knowing that there's a really good chance that he's going to be starting here in the majors. Uh, I'm shocked that his min pick is 70. I, I'm wondering if that is going to change over the course of the next week, but. Uh, so far, it doesn't seem to be uh, inflating his price uh, at all. So I'm a big Eloy Jimenez fan. I've got him in my uh, in my Beat Justin Mason uh, online championship team on NFBC. I've got him in I think two or three dynasty leagues, uh, and I've had people all all off season trying to get him for me in those leagues, and um, have yet to uh, let him go. I think he is a steal. If you still got a draft. Uh, don't be afraid to pop on him inside of the top uh, 75 to 100. Uh, and I think there's a realistic chance you can get him there. Possibly, yes. Um, we only have, I mean, this is really, people are drafting this weekend. That's where Paul is. He's actually in a home auction in, in Houston. Uh, and then next weekend, like, I, I have a draft on April 6th. and That's It's so insane. It, them's the rules, but I, I have another one next week, and I've got to help a, a friend. I'm, I'm sub-drafting for him over the phone in an auction. Ah, oh, it's going to be miserable, uh, but I committed to it. And then I'm flying cross-country from Charlotte to Portland. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a busy weekend. Uh, you know who doesn't have any busy weekends coming up for a little while? Matt Olson. 
He's out a <laughs> month <laughs> with a handmade bone injury. Let me uh, guess, he's on your main event team too? He is not. He uh, is on one of my teams. Well, Paul and I did a best ball league together. Uh, yeah. And he's he's on that one, so that that hurts, especially because there's nothing I can do. I just you know set it and forget it, uh, and hope for the best. Uh, and then he's on. I want to say he might be on that Rotowire Dynasty invitation or that Rotowire uh, uh, online championship. That's what uh, happens when you have 22 leagues. You can't even keep track of your damn teams. It's it's hard. I, it was actually surprisingly easy to set up my Fab last night. I'm uh, one. I play in a lot of really deep leagues, and so. Yep. The really deep leagues outside of team, you know, guys that got sent down or, or injured in the last few days, uh, I don't really have to do a lot of fabbing because there's not a lot of people out there to fab. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, uh, uh, I, I believe it is my RotorWire uh, online championship because I seem to remember being like, oh, look, the only person I have available on my roster right now is Nico Goodrum. So gotta slide him up to first and hopefully fab someone in that league as well. So uh what are you doing with Olsen? Because this is a ham eight bone injury. Those tend to sap power even after you return. Uh for those who uh remember Marcus Simeon had this injury after starting off really hot and then all of his power was gone pretty much the rest of that year. So are you uh holding out on Olsen? Or are you cutting bait in shallower formats? So I had this conversation with your best friend, uh, Jason, a race fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, not this Jason, but your yes. best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because he has him in the Fantasy Baseball Invitational. And he's like, yeah, how should I? I'm like, dude, I, I have to cut him. Uh, in the, in the, you know, again, we deal. And so we have to uh, – we have to. I wanted to go back and look at – game logs because of you know mike stanton's the most famous guy i mean obviously simeon's one case but let's try to get in the same uh power, power comp, potentially right now stanton's and stanton and olsen aren't in the same class but they're at least closer yeah, right 70 grade and, power versus 80 grade power problem is stanton had his he heard his on june 26th and never came back <laughs> that's so I'm not, if i'm looking at this correctly because he had his injury at the end of June, and that's the end of his numbers. Yeah, I, so th- I, can't, I think I that's have, right. I don't have a way to do this. Because, yeah, here it is on June 26th, and he ended up the end of his season. So that was July, August, September. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, I think in like 15-team leagues and deeper, you've got to hold out. But if you're in a 12-team league, I don't have any problems cutting bait on Olsen. Uh, we've seen this injury sap power before, uh, linger sometimes takes longer to come back from than that month, uh, timetable that we're seeing. Uh, I think this is pretty scary for, uh, for guys in, in 10 and 12 team leagues. And I, I, yeah, I would probably cut bait and try to go out and replace that power source because, if he has, if he takes a dip in his power and goes from a guy with seventy grade power to a guy with fifty five for the rest of the season, uh, he's useless. Here, I mean, I'll read this. This was the story. So this was the story from August second, two thousand fifteen. So five weeks ago, the Marlins lost to a broken hammock bone in his left wrist. He suffered the injury taking the swing. He needed surgery. Our initial timetable was four to six weeks. So we get to four to six weeks. And then Stanton, his quote was, rehab is definitely slower than expected. 
uh, and he's swinging off a tee and swinging as strong as it allows. Like, I have to swing off the tee with no pain first, then we'll go from there. I don't know when that will be. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing every day. All right, so that was initial again, four to six weeks. Stanton, gigantic dude, six weeks, can still not hit off a tee pain-free. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, four to six feels more like eight to ten. Uh, you know, what the conversation I had with Jason when talking about Olsen, I'm like, best-case scenario, 15 home runs this season. That's replacement level at first base. I can go find a bunch of guys that can hit 15 home runs in two 45, 250 this year. Especially if you're in a league like NFBC leagues, which don't have the the DL, you can't right. you can't stash them. So it's not like you're getting you know, you're getting replacement value plus that 15 home runs at the end of the season. You're not getting replacement value if you can't really if you can't really replace them. So uh, or at least you're not getting as much. You can obviously replace them off of your reserve list, but that takes up a spot. Uh, that you're able to switch in and out of on the on the Friday moves. So I'm probably yeah, cutting bait in, in 12 team leagues and seriously considering it in 15 team leagues at this point. Yep. And I, damn it, it seems like every year we have got somebody that this impacts and it's such a yeah, it's such a struggle. It feels like the it feels like the uh, the appendix of the hand. You know, why do we have it? What's its purpose? Because you know, it gets taken out, and then you're like, oh, hey, I can my, I can still function. So it's really one of these weird things. But it is, you know, when we were t- in our group text, Eno's first action was like, hey, is he a knob grabber? Because apparently that's one of the theories out there is dudes that wrap, that wrap the knob uh, with it. That's one of the things that leads to this. And uh, It was such a we- weird injury, too, because we didn't see anything in the game. I mean, I was watching the game live when it happened, yep. and there was no sign of him in pain or uh, that, you know, during one of his swings, like he, you know, started like shaking his hand or something like that, but he just didn't come out for the next inning. And then we get this news that something's wrong, and uh, it is. It's unfortunate for fantasy owners, but I've got him in the Rotowire. Uh, I, I just pulled up my team. He is in, in the, my Rotowire online championship. Uh, and I'm cutting bait. I've got bids in on guys like Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan McMahon, Justin Bohr, uh, Flores, Healy, uh, Thames. So I'm, I'm going to have somebody else man in my first base spot uh, probably the rest of the year. Yeah, I was. Uh, there's a, and I'll send you the link if you want to include it in the uh, in the notes, or I'll sure. just put it on the notes page. There's a, a website proxer.com uh, that has a that talks about baseball's broken hammock plague, and it says fact the bat knob on conventional baseball bats is the root cause for every broken hammock injury and thrown and thrown bat in a game in the game of baseball. It's the design flaw. Uh, they appear to have a product uh, that they uh, that they're recommending. Um, on it, but it just it's a, again when when Eno said, "Hey, is he a bot? Is he a knob grabber?" That's really you know. So Eno's thinking it's on here, and you know you've seen some of the bats that have the axe handle instead of the instead of the knob on it uh, as well. So it's uh, it's something to think about. But you know this this is an unfortunate injury. Matt Olson was somebody that we could just put thirty home runs down in, uh, and and that Oakland lineup w- should have been good this year, but he's gone now. As far as how that works out, like who. Who's going to benefit from that as you try to adjust everybody else? Uh, you know, 
your good news is Franklin Barreto <laughs> is making the club. So I mean, yeah, I know, yeah. There's there's a silver lining for you, and that Franklin Barreto is making the club. They've talked about the fact that it's going to be Mark Canha at first base with Jerks and Profar there as well in a platoon situation. Obviously, Profar benefits the most there. He was already going to be in the lineup. Now it's just at a different position because he was going to be playing second uh, for the most part. Now he's shifting over to first base, which then frees up more time for my boy Chad Pinder. Uh, I think we all like Chad Pinder, but Chad Pinder is on my like four of my team, so that's why I'm calling him my boy. Uh, but that frees up more time for Chad Pinder, where he was going to have to bounce around the lineup. Now he should have a spot for a while, and uh, that's kind of where I see this playing time going out. Canhan gets a little bit of boost. Uh, because he'll be on the short side of the platoon uh, situation. And even if he's not playing first base, uh, it'll be some time in the outfield. Robbie Grossman's going to get a little bit more time uh, in an OBP league. That's that's uh, a nice little benefit for him. But you see any other difference in playing time? No. I think that's about right. I think you're going to see uh, – I, I just think you're going to see a lot more mixing and matching probably than we would have had – Olsen been in this lineup. So while Barreto's not going to necessarily be an everyday starter, I could see him uh, filling in with uh, Grossman. I can see uh, him playing some second base, and I think guys are going to move around. This team has a lot of positional flexibility, so I, I think they're probably going to use that to their advantage uh, with Olsen out. Yeah, and the other thing with Grossman, when he's in there, I think he's a, a- – Right now, I'm looking at roster resource. They have Loriano hitting ninth and Grossman hitting first. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that depends on matchups. For I mean, sure. yeah, Grossman's yeah. a nice OBP, but uh, you know, I think that's there's, the there's, there's obvious. Yeah, there's obvious situations where Grossman's a tenth place hitter. Uh, so <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, you know, Pinder moves up to the five spot. That's the other thing that lineup wise. With Olsen going down, everybody kind of jumps up. So you've got Chapman, Piscotti, Davis, and Pinder in the middle of that lineup. Pinder's not going to hit any lower than sixth, in my opinion, which is which is a good value for him because early on they had him projected seventh, uh, maybe even ninth, depending on the situation. Now he's a middle of the lineup hitter. And you know, if you went into, I think I had him uh, projected at 15, 16 home runs, maybe he's got a good shot at 20 this year now. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and I think he's pretty widely available, so... Uh, he's a guy that if you lost Scooter Jeanette, might want to think about going picking up in your in your fifteen team leagues. Yes. Uh, let's talk about a guy you can't pick up, uh, and that's Ian Happ. Ian Happ has been optioned by the Cubs, uh, and I, I know he struggled, but this is a surprising move. Uh, they'd been they'd seem to be pretty committed to giving Happ uh, pretty close to full run in Chicago. Uh, now he gets sent down. Albert Almora becomes kind of the uh, intriguing option in that Cubs outfield playing center field. Uh, just me- It also means, obviously, more time for uh, Ben Zobris, who is slated to lead off this year for these Cubs. So uh, He's the best candidate for it. I mean, that's yeah. the, I mean Ben Zobris is 84 years old. Um, I will always love Ben mm-hmm. Zobris, and he can still get on base, but... Look at the roster. Who else do you do it with? I mean, do you put Rizzo back up there? Do you Schwarber do it? And if, no. Zobris makes the most sense based on what's on this roster. I mean, now, the whole now I'm thing wondering about, if I should increase my bid on Zobrist. Yeah, I mean, if as long as he gets on base, he should score runs. It's just yeah, that's exactly. that's his trick. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's the filling category for, guy. And, and, for uh, Jeanette, and uh, like for yeah. me, for me trying to kind of replace Jeanette's uh, average in and run scored. That's probably the best option. Right. I mean, the half thing is the half thing is confusing. I mean, the half thing is 
you know, he's obviously he was never going to face lefties. He was going to be in a platoon situation anyhow. Perhaps the yeah, and if if you don't think he can face lefties now, you probably don't think he can face them later. So what's the point of having him go down to Iowa and play every day and then struggle against lefties there? Unless that's unless they really want him to to get more exposure against lefties, you can afford for him to do it down there. Uh, word is he wasn't happy at all uh, about being demoted, and I can't blame him. But when you look at the when you look at the lineup situation here, where you know it would have been either he or Almora, they both had options, and and they gave the job to Almora. Yeah, uh, I mean maybe this is the precursor to a trade. Maybe the Giants send them Will Smith, and uh, they uh, they send them Ian Happ or something. Uh, ah, don't do that to my Will Smith share. <laughs> well, they need a they need a closer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I mean, not that necessarily he would close, uh, being le- a lefty, but uh, if if they're, you know, Strope's dealing with an issue. I, I know he's supposed to be ready for opening day, but they obviously still have Brandon Morrow on the uh, TL. Who knows? I mean, the Giants when... have made a million trades this weekend, so yeah. anything's possible. Well, and and w- as we'll get to in a second, uh, they haven't named any sort of uh, closer or uh, or the back e- or who's going to be in the back end of their rotation. So it's which kind of screams that they're planning on making more moves before the end of this week. So uh, or this you know before opening day at least. So uh, are you holding on to Ian Happ in any league other than NL only, or obviously keeper dynasty? No, no. In a mixed format, I don't see. In a keeper dynasty, I give it a few weeks. He's still and, and young. See what, He's still only twenty-four. Yeah, I see what I see. What happens? You know, if if there is a trade, I give it a few weeks because I'd hate I'd hate the like. Okay, fine, gonna cut him, and then something happens to one of these guys. And again, Ben Zobrist is thirty-eight years old. He's turning thirty-eight in a couple of. Uh, a couple of months, 37.8. So he's like 38 over the summer. Uh, or they realize, okay, Jason Hayward, you still can't hit. I know we're still paying you, but you still can't hit. I can't do this anymore. Well, and uh, that bench is atrocious. So it's not It's not like they're like super deep. Uh, that bench is full of RBI baseball names. Caratini, Bote, Descalzo, Zagunas. is like, those are have to be fake names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Just needs Tuffy Kosovich to wrap it all up in a bowl. But yeah, that, that bench is, is wow. It's yeah, it's really bad. So uh, I would not be surprised to see him back up in a week's time or so. If if you know any sort of injury happens, obviously because he can play so many different positions, uh, he would be in uh, you know the obvious choice to kind of come up and, and fill in. Not to mention they've got a bunch of other guys. I mean, Zobras can play a, a number of different positions. Uh, Javi Bias plays everywhere. We've seen Chris Bryant jump into the outfield uh, when needed. Uh, Kyle Schwerber can't play any defensive positions. I mean, they've got a lot of uh, flexibility. They do. They do, and they've got a piece of human garbage coming back after a 40-game suspension. Uh, you know, so On they, my Town a... Wars team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got him so, for a yes. buck. So, I mean, like... <laughs> He's still overpaid. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> I told you, I have no soul when it comes to fantasy. <laughs> uh, speaking of, well, no, not, I'm not even going to make a joke about having no soul and being Matt Joyce. Uh, Matt Joyce uh, wasn't going to make the Giants roster somehow, so he got traded to the Braves. Uh, I, I don't know how Matt Joyce is not better than the options that the Giants are running out there. Right? 
I guess he's too young, but then Mac. I mean, I, Mac Williamson's there. I make all the old jokes about the Giants, but that's that was a strange one to me. Like, why would you even get? Okay, I'm gonna sign up to minor league deal. Oh yeah, by the way, you're not gonna make the club. Well, then why am I signing here? Uh, let's you know, let me go somewhere else. And you know, off he goes. Off he goes to Atlanta, where he's pretty much just gonna be limited to pitch hitting. And it, that that may be his skill moving forward because Matt Joyce can still work a count, and that's what you want from your pinch hitters. But there's not there's no path to playing time for him. I mean, there's not even a platoon situation no. for him to get to take advantage of he, here. He, he basically has hope for, yeah, that's exactly what he needs uh, is an injury. And so I think if anything, this does less for his value. At least in San Francisco, something could have materialized here. I don't see how this works because even if I mean he's gonna have he needs Inciarte Acuna or Marquecas to get hurt and then Joyce become comes in the lineup. But even if that happens, he he moves down. I mean he's gonna hit low in the lineup even if he gets in the lineup. So he's gonna be a pinch hitter extraordinaire in the situation. And I, I I'm not interested as much as I have liked him in years past. There's no way I, he finds his way on my NL roster. Uh, unless there's an injury, he gets pushed into full-time duty. But even then, he's going to have to. Johan Camargo probably gets the uh, gets more chances to play if there's an injury. Yeah, well, and same with Culbertson, who was an integral part of their team last year. So I can't imagine that even with an injury, we're going to see him get first dibs. So uh, I think this is more interesting because they send they sent down Adam Duvall. They also sent out Tuki Toussaint. Uh, Tukey struggled in his last outing. Uh, there's some rumors that he may be dealing with some sort of injury. Uh, so he's out of the rotation. It looks like the roster resource has Max Freed projected in the fourth spot, uh, and they don't need a fifth starter for a little while. Uh, which is why they, which is why they probably sent down Tucson. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that's what I'm thinking it is as well. But, do you think Kyle Wright takes that that spot in the rotation, that fourth spot in the rotation? Uh, do you think Max Freed is actually the guy they're going to go with? Um, and if you have Tuki Toussaint uh, on your roster, are you dropping him? I'm not. I mean, they have a two man rotation. Sean Newcomb's garbage. Uh, I. I there's plenty of opportunity here. I'm keeping him because I don't know. I think that that both uh, Wright and Toussaint could be up in the rotation for good uh, shortly. I just think Toussaint's being sent down because, to your point, a lot of teams don't need a fifth starter right now. Uh, the way the schedule, I mean, most teams play day one, off day two, uh, and then play game three and four, or, or days uh, three and four with the second games. The schedule, Plus, they always we, do we that. always see a ton of rainouts early on in the season. And yes. So. Because they're stupid and they schedule games in places that don't have domes, right? Like, why why Tampa Bay and Seattle and Toronto and Houston, every place with a roof should have the opening series. Every one of them. I mean, at least they're doing it right. Like, uh, I'll be – next weekend I will be – I can't record because I will be in Seattle watching the Mariners and Red Sox. Uh, and they can close the roof. Yay. That's the way it should be. Yeah, you would think they would figure that out. Uh, you know, unfortunately uh, for me, the Giants, uh, it's supposed to rain like the next, I think, s- is seven of the next nine days after today. Yeah. So we may have, I, I don't know if the Giants start at home or on the road, but. Just to uh, your pain. Yeah, if uh, if you got Oakland, uh, home Oakland starts or home uh, uh, San Francisco starts uh, on your team, just kind of be wary that uh, the Bay Area is supposed to get creamed by another rainstorm uh over the next uh 
uh, like 10 days. So so uh, last year you couldn't get any rain. This year you can't, it won't yeah. stop. Oh, no, it's it's ridiculous. I We've had so much rain here that they've actually said outside of like the northern tip of California and then the obviously the desert area in the southern part, uh, the drought is completely over, which uh, which was a, you know a real big issue here uh, yeah. just a few years ago. So, uh, but just be wary of that. That there's going to be probably a number of rain delays or uh, uh, post postponements in the Bay Area uh, early on in the in the year because we are supposed to get hit with a number of rainstorms. Uh, so yeah, let's. Uh, I think that kind of does it. I mean, Adam Duvall, it's a bummer for me. I had him on my Tower Wars team. I wanted, I got some, I got him for three bucks to try to get some late power. Uh, unfortunately for me, he's getting sent down, and I'm gonna have to kind of figure out how I'm gonna kind of move. Yeah, I don't know how long that. Yeah, I don't know how long that lasts. Uh, again, if you're, I mean, if your role, if they signed Joyce because they wanted him as a pinch hitter because of his play discipline skills, I mean, that's a, a one-time thing. But let's say there is an injury. I mean, I'd want to, I'd call up Duval and put him right into that role. Well, uh, and then because, you, could, you could platoon the two of them. Yeah, I just it's it's a weird thing. Uh, I'm not ready to cut bait. I like I'd like Duval coming into the season for the same reason you did there, and I, I would have taken him in the end game too. Uh, I'm just not I'm not going to cut bait because of this this one particular situation. I mean, you could say what Culberson's out of options. Uh, Culberson's not somebody that should have a, a anchor spot, just locked down spot on your roster. They've got Camargo that can play all over the place there, and. To me, that's where I give Charlie his little run, see what happens, and then I'm ready to call up Duval if I need to. Yep. All right, uh, let's uh, kind of circle back around to the Giants. Uh, like I mentioned before, they are not naming a closer or the back end of their rotation as of now. Uh, and this is largely speculated, like I said before, because the Giants have already made a bunch of trades for a bunch of nobody, nonsense people. Uh, and they're probably going to trade a number of their kind of big name teams at, or big name guys uh, as teams are starting to figure out their 25 man rotation. Number of teams could use the services of a guy like Will Smith, who's widely expected to be the closer, uh, but hasn't been named that officially as of yet. Uh, if you are going into a draft this weekend uh, or sometime this week and we haven't heard news about will smith being traded are you taking a shot on him i am i mean skills wise it's, it gets back to the skills roles thing i mean will smith pitched very well last year coming back off uh coming back from the injury uh i have him i kept him in my nl home league at two dollars uh obviously at that price you have to you have to keep him uh but the skills wise was phenomenal. He picked up pretty much right where he left off before, uh, when he got when he got hurt in Milwaukee in sixteen, uh, or where I forgot where the uh, yeah uh, no where the Giants wherever the injury when he when he got hurt. Um, but yeah, and he, he picked up right where he left off. Skills wise was really good, and so like you mentioned earlier with the Cubs, that would be phenomenal if he could come and step in and, and take that role because the Cubs have got Mike Miner and are not Miner, but. Uh, Montgomery and Dunsing is lefty, so it's not like they have to. Uh, oh, we're going to take him and, and lefty closer bias. Uh, 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 Milwaukee really not give the job to Josh Hader because he's a lefty, or is it because they want they like using him over multiple innings? Let's be real. It's it's the it's the, the way they use him, and not because of his hand. Uh, so with with Smith here, yeah, I like him, and I would take him even with with the uncertainty of, of where he would end up. I would still end up take. I would still push towards $10 with him. 
I think I would as well. I think the skills are great. I think if he does get traded this at this point in the season, it's most likely at least into a committee role for closer, if not the full-time closer. And I think the places you could end up seeing him go are, are the Brewers, who, like you said, are, are dealing with some injury issues uh, with uh, Knievel right now and have also talked to Kimbrell, I guess, recently. Uh, the Braves, who are uh, starting the year without A.J. Minter uh, and may want someone to kind of be come in and be a little bit safer than uh, just uh, Aroldis Vizcaino. Much safer. Uh, obviously, Boston <laughs> could use some bullpen help, and if they're not willing to pay the price on uh, Kimbrel, maybe they're willing to pay the price on someone like uh, on Will Smith, who is, is much cheaper and uh, wouldn't cost necessarily a ton, I don't think, in terms of prospects. So I think there is a chance that he is traded before the start of the season, I w- so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Uh, but I think there's a good chance that if he is traded, it's not until like a setup role. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I believe Will Smith lives in the Atlanta area. Hmm. I did not. Uh, know that. So it would be, you know, that would be a nice thing for him. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the rest of the situation there, yikes. I mean, they just traded for Eric Kratz as their backup catcher. Maybe he'll be their closer uh, <laughs> since he pitched a few times last year. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I know the the Bumgarner thing's so weird this year because he's got like a twenty to two strikeout the walk ratio in spring training, but when he doesn't walk or strike out a guy, he's getting bombed right he now. He looks bad, <laughs> but he's people. still getting but he's getting bombed when it, when he's not doing that. It's and the then, same thing I've been talking about for a while now. It's it's not a matter of he you know his uh, ability to find the zone. It's a matter of his ability to to locate within the zone. He's Dave um, Bush in it, man. It's and it's it is not, and and the thing is, the velocity's been back for the most part, and so people I think are are like, oh, look, look at look at the strikeouts and look at the fact the velocity's back. He's gonna be fine, and still getting ooh. drafted. He's still getting drafted, like like I, high SP three, low SP two. I I think people are hoping for the bounce back, and Oof. I think uh, you know, Oracle Park has they're gonna call it now, I guess. Uh, We'll we'll cover some of those flaws, right? Uh, but if he gets traded, he's going to be in a park that's no matter where he goes, he's going to be in a worse park. It's just that's just because he's not getting traded at Kauffman Stadium, so right. it's not it's not like he's going to get a you know uh you know a lateral move in terms of park. It's going to be a worse park no matter where he goes. Um, and I just don't want to see the 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 results of that. I and I I've, I've been saying this obviously if you've been listening to this podcast all off season, I've been saying it all off season. So uh, I'm not backing down on that one. Uh, obviously, I think the rest of the rotation. I know they're saying that the rest of the rotation isn't set, but I I can't imagine that they invested money in both Derek Holland and Pomeranz. Uh, obviously, they're going to let them make the rotation. I think Derek Rodriguez gets the first shot, uh, and Suarez is the first man up. So, uh, unless Jeff Samarja gets moved uh, before the start of the season, which I just don't think that that is necessarily going to happen. Um, uh, I, th- I think he pr- there's a chance he could get moved in season, but I think most teams are going to want to see some sort of uh, – uh, track record of health before they, they make a move for a guy like Jeff Samarja and, and what he has remaining on his contract. 
Yeah, and, and again, I, I I know you like them. You, Love them. You have Baby Shark everywhere, and I think it's a good thing you and I are not leagues together because I think I have them in all the other ones. And it would be awesome if he got moved somewhere else. Honestly, I, I'd like him as a bounce back this year. I don't care where he pitches, for the most part. Uh, but yeah, the team, man. Oof. Just, yeah, and the team is going to be bad. This is. Uh, I, maybe I, we should. Maybe Jason and I should make a bet with you. Bet with you this year and say the Rays will win twice as many games as the Giants. I don't know that I would take that. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is going to be um, a very trying year. It's just Baltimore, it, San Francisco. Who's going to get to the bottom first? Um, you know, at least I can say we are okay defensively, <laughs> but offensively, this is going to be. Uh, a very, very, very ugly season. So, uh, like, and for the 69th time this season, the Giants have lost three to two. Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's, the pitching staff is interesting. It's you know Bumgarner, Smarja, Holland, Derek Rodriguez, Pomerantz. It's at least a very interesting. But man, that bullpen is awful behind Will Smith. Um, though actually, I, I like a couple of pieces. It's just the offense. There's, there's no. There's no way this offense can sustain anything, and I, I just don't understand why they're just not tearing it down completely yet. Yes, yes. I'm uh, sure it's going to happen. Maybe it comes to asking price. I don't know, but if anybody can tear it down, I mean, they got the right front office people to do it. Yeah. It's going to take some time. Yeah, at least I have some trophies to hold me and keep me comfy until uh, they're good again the next Teddy or sometime. Rings. Yep. Uh Let's uh, let's talk about Jordan Hicks. He will be the primary closer. It was announced. Uh, they're not necessarily going to call him the closer, but he's going to get the majority of the saves. Uh, does this change any of your outlook on Jordan Hicks? Uh, no. I mean, Paul and I took Jordan Hicks in the uh, in the end of the eleventh round in labor. This is where we were projecting him. I mean, there was no value at that point taking him with the question mark. But now that he has that job, I mean, sweet. He is our second closer because we grabbed Doolittle at the end of the seventh. So now we have Doolittle and we have Hicks and we have Trevor May at the end of the 15th. Um, we're still waiting on that Minnesota situation. But we went from one, like two closers with one and two halves to now two and a half closers, possibly three. Uh, but really, for me, the Hicks is, you know, this is great, but I'm more interested in the changeup that he's added this this offseason. It looks really good, and if he can add the changeup to what he was already bringing to the plate, look out. Yeah, he, he looks really, really good this spring, and uh, I'm a little bummed I didn't get more shares. I just I was so worried that Kimbrell was going to sign, that they were going to uh, bring in someone else, that they were going to make this a true committee, and uh, that they weren't going to turn the reins over to the 22-year-old. It appears that that is not the case, and they are, they're going to give him a shot. Even with his uh, high walk rate, It's uh, they're going to give him first reign. It'll be interesting to see if he can hold on to the job. Uh, I just I do worry about his uh, his control, and if if that eludes him, what they're going to do. Uh, I I've I've not necessarily been worried about Andrew Miller and necessarily taking the role. I think they want him as a Josh Hader type figure. So uh, I uh, I'm happy. And honestly, for... Andrew Miller feels more like name value than anything else at this yeah, point. He wasn't good last year. I mean, I know he was right? injured and stuff, but uh, relievers lose it all the time. So it's, yeah. it's not like. It, would it surprise me if, if we saw the, the the Miller time and now it's uh, uh, back to kind of the guy he used to be? 
And, and part of and part of me with with Hicks, I mean, he really struggled down the stretch with his command. But I think part, a lot of that just got down to how he was used. I mean, he it was his rookie year. He went from A ball to the major leagues, right? So the, you're still a raw product, but obviously the velocity is what got him there. And then he was seemingly used every day. I, I know we only pitched 73 games, but it felt like 140 games. Every time I turned on a Cardinals game, he was in there. Uh, and so that's he was that's where his process, and he, it seemed to me watching in September that he just wore down. And that, that's not to be – it's. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, and what, like, workload-wise, he was a starter in the minor leagues, but he only worked 105 innings in 17 in low A and high A. I mean, he had 27 innings of experience above low A ball and then got to the majors just like that. So let's see where it looks like. I think if, if as a primary closer, perhaps with that more uh, rigid utilization that St. Louis has typically had, you're my closer, you pitch in the ninth inning, this may be better for him rather than him coming up every single time they had a lead in the seventh inning. Here came Jordan Hicks. Here came Jordan Hicks. Here came Jordan Hicks. And I think it caught up with him towards the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I And I think uh, if you if, if you got a draft this weekend, where are you taking him? Uh, probably right where I took him, uh, where Paul and I took him uh, back in labor. What did I say, 10th round, 11th round? Still uh, maybe the 10th. Uh, I'm trying to look at who are the other closers that were going around. Let's see. We took him at the the end of the 11th, just before him, closer-wise. Ken Giles went. I would take him before Ken Giles. And uh, I would not. So that's really about the only jump because Jose Alvarado went to Dr. Roto uh, at the, towards the end of the 10th, and I would still take Alvarado over Hicks. Um, I'm pulling him up and seeing where he's going in terms of uh, the main event over the last three days. Uh, so let's see. Hicks is currently going at pitcher 58 in terms of other closers. Uh, in terms of overall ADP, it's 149 exactly. Uh, other closers going in his general vicinity. He's going uh, about two picks later than Cody Allen. In about nine oh God, picks I'd later, I'd rather have him over Cody Allen all day. He's he's going nine picks later than Jose Alvarado. Okay, yeah. Like I said, I'm not I'm not moving him that far up the list. By the way, Jose Alvarado might be throwing a cutter now too. Oh wow! Just that. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> a little bit of uh, fun um, recency bias. He's going about twelve picks later than Hunter Strickland. <laughs> over the last three days because Hunter Strickland already has two saves, so he's going to get pushed up. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think he should be going in that kind of 140-ish uh, range in terms of closers. So the the Giles, the Alvarado uh, kind of area. Uh, and I actually don't have a problem if people want to push him, like you said, above Giles. I prefer Alvarado uh, a little bit, but... Uh, I could understand why people would take uh, take him over Alvarado, considering what kind of stuff he has. Yeah, it, it should be a fun season to watch. Uh, uh, Lucas Duda signing a deal with the Royals, which was interesting because I didn't even realize he had been released from 
Didn't he have a deal with the Twins for? He had a minor league deal with the Twins with an opt out. A lot. I think the, the opt out date was March twenty second or twenty third okay. for a lot of guys uh, this year, which is why you're seeing a lot of these trades, releases, blah blah blah, uh, things happening. And and with with the Minnesota, it never made sense when he signed there in the first place because they have Cron or Crone. They have Tyler Austin, who's out of options, uh, and so is Crone. Uh, and then you have. Uh, then you had Duda. And so you're like trying to figure out like, Hey, one of these guys, maybe two could make the club. And it looks like that, uh, that Austin is going to make the twins. Uh, but it, there was no way all these guys were going to make it. And so when you looked on paper, I don't know how Duda didn't end up in Kansas city in the first place. He and his agent had all off season to try to find a home. And this was screaming and he already played there once, unless he just didn't like Kansas City last time. I don't know, but this was a, a screaming opportunity for him to come in and, and possibly make the club. And 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 he should. I mean, you they need Ryan they need Ryan O'Hernan shirts. Yeah, I it doesn't appear that he that Ross Resource has him making the club. Uh they have him starting off the year in triple A, though I don't know if that will actually happen. So we'll 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 see. I well, just don't know where Ortega's he... going to make it as a rule five. If, if they think if they want to hold Ortega as a rule five, then due to he has to. That's because the, they've got Gallagher, they've got Ortega, they've got Terrence Gore, who they gave their contract to, who uh, they're just going to use as a pinch runner extraordinaire and, and an outfielder on Sundays. And then you got Chris Sumlin. So that's their bench. Yeah. Those are your four guys. And, and unless they unless they drop a pitcher, uh, which they might, I mean, they've got. <laughs> Their bullpen's terrible, but yeah. because it's terrible, they've got to carry seven relievers, one of which may also be a Rule 5 guy in Sam McWilliams. So th- that's that's kind of where things are. Yeah, I could see them getting rid of uh, Ortega. I just, I, but I just don't know. I don't know why he didn't want to go. I, I guess he didn't want to wait for the news on Matt Olson, but that would have been an interesting signing there. Uh, in Oakland, so uh, yeah, I just don't know that if Duda got everyday at bats, he'd be a very interesting guy. He was an interesting guy in Kansas City when he was getting everyday at bats, but I just don't know outside of maybe a twelve-team AL only taking a you know flyer one dollar at the end of your auction or uh, just putting him on your reserve list uh, that he makes sense really in any format at this point. It's been yep. a long time since he was viable. Uh, it was not not terribly long. I mean, when he when he got traded from the Mets to the to the Rays, there was that useful. He was useful in that in that time, but uh, that's what I'm. That's really where yeah, I'm I guess stuck he was at. Useful in 2017. Yeah, that's where I'm runs, stuck at. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was in that capacity. He was, you know, overall there uh, useful. But then last year, just. Took the step back. You could tell last year, heading into last, 2017 wasn't the real true talent level. 2018 was, uh, and I I remember like my bold prediction for 2018 for Kansas City was run away from Lucas Duda. This is yes, he was great last year, but this was no, don't do this. And sure enough, he finished well outside. Uh, that was one of the ones uh, that I did really well. But you know, he is what he is, and. But this is an opportunity for him to come back in and and 
provide some cheap power. I mean, he has cheap power. If he were to make that team, yeah, I have that AL draft on April 6th. If he makes the team, maybe he's the guy that I throw on a dollar at corner infield or look at in the reserves. Uh, I just need to see where where things shake on April 6th, which is one of the reasons why that constitution has it. Our, our league constitution has us drafting after opening day because of that. We want to see how rosters settle out, uh, and you know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on. And talk about Rich Hill. He's going to the uh, injured list. Uh, God. Shocking, <laughs> right? He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna start on the IL. MCL uh, sprain, right? Knee MCL. Yeah. So I mean, it's always something with Rich Hill. He's gonna miss time, uh, which kind of sets an interesting starting rotation because the Dodgers won't have Kershaw to start the year. So opening day starter is Hunjin Ryu. They've got Ross Stripling, uh, then Kenta Maeda, Walker Bueller, and Julio Urias. Yeah. Uh, so who is your favorite buy out of this group? Oh, who's my favorite buy out of that group? I mean, it was I was picking up a number of shares of Ryu uh, six weeks ago. Because, yes, I, I know that he's not going to – but he was coming cheap. I mean, we know that he he's had trouble staying healthy. Since he came over through a lot of innings his first year, and then every year since has been problematic in that regard. But last year when he pitched, he was really good. And I thought the price tag was still sitting down there because nobody wanted to take the risk with the injury. And so I have been grabbing him late in drafts, and uh, he's still my favorite buy here. And there's a reason why the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers gave him a qualifying offer, and he took it. They didn't have to give him $18 million this year, but they did. They clearly see something there with him, even though uh, do you, do you think that they, was as high in the last four years. Do you think they years. thought he was going to take that qualifying offer? Because I think they were surprised when he did. I, why would you even put it out there? Because there you want to get the draft pick conversation. Them. Who was going to sign him? Somebody would have signed him. Four innings, 126 and 82 over the last three years. He pitched well down the stretch. I mean, it was... You know, somebody somebody would have given it. Well, who knows? Because Keiko hasn't still hasn't signed yet. Exactly. So, but you put. A, yeah. But the fact that they even took the risk yeah. uh, of doing it, you know, that's that's where that they see something there. And so I, I like it. He, but yeah. after 120, anything he gives me over 125 is a bonus. When healthy, he is a very good pitcher. Uh, just can't imagine he stays healthy for super long. Uh, that being said, I like all these guys, especially at their current prices. I don't think any of them. I mean, out Bueller might be a bit overdrafted, but I totally understand why. And I'm I, I've bought him in a couple of places just to have some exposure to him. Uh, I love Urias at his price. He's only going to get probably seventy to ninety innings this year, but they're all going to be at the front end. And so when they shut him down, you're going to know it, and you can just drop him. Uh, so I, I think he's a really nice buy, especially considering his price. Obviously, I've talked about Ross Stripling uh, for a, a f- feels like a few years now, uh, and and a lot this season. I think he's my second most owned pitcher in fantasy uh, this year behind Jeff Samarja. So, uh, and then uh, Kenta Maeda. I, I haven't talked a lot about him this year, but uh, he is you know fairly cheaply priced uh, considering. I, I worry he won't get the ton of innings that he needs. Um, to make a huge fantasy impact just because uh, he's got that contract that escalates uh, depending on how many innings and starts he throws. Uh, and as you know, the, the Dodgers still have a ton of guys uh, that can pitch in the rotation. But uh, yep. he start, he's starting 
the season in the rotation, and that's a good sign for for fantasy. And once he starts getting kind of dicked around, you you can drop him or or reserve him. I agree. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about your uh, AL Tout Wars team. Uh, we get together every year in New York. Uh, you're in the AL League. I'm in the NL League. Paul is in the mixed uh, points uh, format. Um, what was your strategy coming in? <laughs> strategy? What yeah, strategy? There you go. <laughs> so I so I, I wrote the whole thing up at the uh, the RotoWire blog, which is free, by the way. Uh, if you just go to the site and look, uh, you can see where uh, you can re- re- look up the RotoWire blog, and I'll even send you a note so you can put it in the uh, the notes. But you know, so the whole I only chuckle about hey strategy, haha, <laughs> because my my plan was the weekend before. The weekend before everything, I was going to sit down and I usually sit down the weekend before and I get through and and plan everything out, how I'm going to execute. And I get down to how much I'm going to spend on hitting, how much I'm going to spend on pitching. All right. These are the dollar spot. These are the dollar amounts on the different roster spots that I'm willing to pay. And I want to go through and do all of this. So that's what I had. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be it. And that's how, that's how I'm going to do it. Well, this year that didn't happen because, you know, I mentioned it a week ago or so. You know, my wife had uh, emergency appendectomy on Wednesday. And so the weekend I had planned on staying home. Uh, she and the kids were supposed to go over to Raleigh, uh, and I had to, or I was even go with them and then sit in the hotel room and, and do things. But I had to help move everything around luggage, all this. So all the time that I thought I had, I didn't have. And so then I looked at it and said, okay, do I just kill myself and, and assume a Justin Mason sleep schedule and, and sleep two <laughs> hours a night and, and for the next five nights before tout wars, or do I trust my offseason, trust my knowledge of the player pool, and just come into the auction and see what happens. And so I did that. And honestly, it's the first time that I've ever done that because every year, you know, this was my 13th year in Tout Wars, 12 previous years, I have sat down and done all that work. And 12 previous years, I have finished no higher than second place. So, you know, what's wrong with changing things up? So I I, I did that. I mean, I, I went into the auction basically saying, okay, here are, the, here are the projections. Uh, I, I'm going to spend a little more on pitching uh, this year. Last year, um, I think last year I was a little more on offense and light on pitching. Uh, but you know, this year, or maybe it's the other way around. But I wanted to make sure that I I made some investments in pitching and you know and and also put my money where my mouth was because you know I spent the offseason saying I think Tommy Pham's a top 5 MVP candidate I really like Jackie Bradley Jr so you look at my roster I ended up with a lot I ended up with some of those guys uh that I that I've been writing about and so I I spent a little more on pitching than I wanted to um only because uh, of price points on uh Michael Pineda and and Michael Fulmer obviously this was pre Fulmer's elbow blowing out but it also gives me now I'm the fab leader because I, I I was down ten dollars to start the season because you lose ten dollars in fab uh, every t- every point you finish below sixty in tout wars and so I finished at fifty nine so I start the season at nine hundred ninety dollars but now I get to cash in Michael Fulmer and get forty dollars for him so now I'm the leader at one thousand thirty dollars in fab so yay me uh, that worked out that helps me uh, but overall, I think I did a good job with the team, and uh, you know, the projections had me finishing first, which is how you should walk out of your draft. If not, then you something's <laughs> you made wrong. A mistake, yeah, yeah, you made a mistake. Uh, but also, my projections had Glenn and Rick finishing last, so I'm really questioning them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I looked at that, I was like, no, 
defending champs, no, that, that no. I, I didn't even look. I was like, no, no, something's wrong. So uh, either either uh, I have a lot of bias towards the players that they have, <laughs> or this, I have a lot of bias towards the players I have. Um, but it really, I was I'm pretty happy about this team. But I'm pretty happy about every team I walk out. It's how I manage the team in the in the year that really screws me up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like your team. I, you know, getting Joey Gallo in an OBP format. I know some people be like, oh, 28 bucks on Gallo, but in an on base percentage format, obviously that softens uh, the batting average blow uh, that you typically get. You stayed on brand uh, in your outfield, getting Tommy Pham, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, and uh, Delino DeShields. Uh, as your top three outfielders, uh, Yandy Diaz. Uh, I got Delano DeShields yet again. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. I mean, I gave – this is the third straight year, I believe, I ended up with him. Uh, and I was – you know, Friday we're sitting there. Uh, you're at the table next to me at Tout Wars, and I tell Doug Dennis straight out, dude, if I bid on Delano DeShields, <laughs> throw something at me. See, the problem was is I sat on the other side of the room from Doug. Mm-hmm. He couldn't throw something and not hit somebody else in the head. Yeah. So there I was with it. You know – the reason why I ended up with him is because speed went such a premium. And Mike Podhorzer bought bought Mike Trout, bought Billy Hamilton, bought Whit Merrifield. Bought, bought, I mean, he, all of a sudden Mullins, he bought all this yeah. speed. And so we're all playing for second place in speed because, you know, obviously, obviously Podhorzer is going to run away with the steals category. Even if he trades them, I mean, he could he could build his lead and then trade those guys away in May and yeah, still we, win the category. We right? didn't even mention uh, Whit Merrifield. Like that's, I did. Oh, okay. Did. Mary Maryfield, Mullins, Loriano, Billy Hamilton, Kipnis, Trout, even JP Crawford. Once he's up, will steal some bit. What is he doing? I, Obviously, I, I, he's going to try to trade it. But yeah, I, he he I, went out and made it. He went out and did that. So I was going to saying, okay, I need to find. I need. I wanted another speed guy. When I'm seeing the price at eleven dollars, I'm like. Okay, we're all playing for second base. If 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 the Shields can steal the thirty that I wrote about in bold predictions for him, that that moves the needle. It makes a difference when you're trying to play for second place. You can't close you can't close the gap that Pothorse is gonna have but you don't need to. I mean, thirty steals can be a difference of four or five spots in an AL only league. And so that's why the Shields ended up in my roster because at the price, at twelve I didn't want to. Uh but at, at that price, that's where I had him down just based on the steals alone. And so, and it's not yeah. like his job is in jeopardy at all. They have nobody on that roster that can play center other than him. Right. It's I mean, just... I had him down as a third. He was a thirteen dollar player based on my projection. So he was at eleven. I said twelve, and I ended up with him. Uh, so, yeah. And to your point, he's out of options. He's going to hit ninth. There's nobody behind him. I mean, Joey Gallo is the backup center fielder, uh, which is the reason why I took Gallo is because I figure he's going to play uh, a few games in the outfield, and now I get a guy. Can, uh, it's, it's always nice to have roster flexibility in the league. He already has it, and he, he has it going into the season, uh, which is which is the nice thing. And yeah, I have I have a number of guys on my team that have that that positional eligibility for that reason. Yeah, that that is one of the nice things I real uh, that I really like that you did was build your team with guys with multi-positional eligibility coming into the season. Nico Goodrum should be eligible at what first and second and outfield and outfield. Okay, because Tout is 15 games as opposed to the traditional Correct. 20. So yep. I, I've got to remember Chad Pinder has multi-positional eligibility. Second, third outfield. And Gallo so, first base and outfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, Yanni Diaz is going to get. He'll get uh, a. 
a position in the first week of the season, hopefully, because that was the other thing. He was only DH eligible at the draft. Uh, and But in talent, you have two. I mean, Chris Davis was the very first guy thrown out, utility only. But somebody could have done Chris Davis and Nelson Cruz had they chosen to because it, there's that swing, swing role. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as bad of a factor to have that, that, that roster spot locked up. But I like to get at least two guys that have that uh, flexible uh, position skill, and I'm going to end up with five at the at here this season within the first week, uh, possibly two, which is which is going to be nice because it really helps you at fab time. Somebody goes down, moves somebody else, you're not stuck like, okay, I lost Jackie Bradley Jr., and I don't have anybody else, so I have to find an outfielder. Well, outfield sucks, and I've got – it always helps to have that flexibility so you can move dudes around. Yeah, and I love building, especially in, in today's day and age, and because I play in a lot of daily leagues – uh, having the ability to move guys all around my lineup really makes things a lot easier. And like you said, when you lose someone, you you don't have to just sort by a single position. You can actually look at the entire field uh, or entire pool and, and and pick from it if you if you're able to move guys around the way you're going to be able to. Uh, I really like the chances go by at four dollars. Uh, I think that I'm, I'm surprised that he only went for four dollars, especially considering how good of a spring he had. Yeah, and so I thought the catcher situation was interesting in the league. Uh, so we had, let me go look at the catcher situation. So we, you know, Recton Glenn spent 25 on Gary Sanchez, which was etched in stone coming into the mm-hmm. I don't know why we just didn't throw him at 24 and make him say 25. <laughs> uh, but dollar catcher wise, Kevin Smith, Blake Swihart, Grayson Greiner, Chris Herman, Hurt. Uh, and Jeff Mathis. That was it. Everybody paid. So 19 of the 24 catchers that had to be rostered all went for at least dollars in here. But only Sanchez and Chirinos at 12 and Danny Jansen at 14 were the only catchers that went in double digits. So everybody else was between two and nine dollars. Which I thought was I, I was wondering how this was going to play out. If people were just going to like dollar up, dollar up, and you know how this was going to play out. But you know that's where it went. Like Willen Astadio went for six dollars, and I think that's the fifth highest catcher. And he went for the same as Mitch Garver. He went for the same as Kiner Falefa. Uh, John Hicks went six dollars. I mean, my, myself, I spent three on Vasquez and four on Cisco. Um, was how I put my roster together, and I talked about you know Vasquez. It's it's empty, but he if anything, take the catcher in a good lineup, uh, and he has the chance to drive in some guys or gets on base, and then he can score with the good talent behind him. Um, and then with Cisco, it's just a matter of it. Nice spring, nice ballpark, terrible team, and he's going to get the chance to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually surprised because a similar thing happened in in the NL where uh, I I got. Posey and Cervelli for fourteen and nine dollars respectively. In early on in the auction, thinking, well, those are pretty good prices for a two catcher only league. Right. Uh, you know, guys who are going to play, going to play a lot, and aren't going to hurt me, especially in the on base percentage department, uh, but actually help me uh, a, a fair amount. Um, and then all the other catchers went for really cheap, and I'm like, what? What the hell? Like. You know, Wilson Ramos went for ten bucks, and and Grand, oh, you know, and it's oh, like, that would have killed me. Oh, it just it was awful because at that point, unless I'm going to throw him into my util spot, I can't really you know afford to <laughs> to, to buy a third catcher. So uh, maybe I should have, maybe I should have you know moved Posey into my first base slot or in my corner spot, and uh, and grabbed Ramos for ten bucks. But 
uh, it just uh, I was surprised with how cheap catchers not only went in mine, but then again, how a lot of catchers went pretty cheaply in yours as well. Uh, so, but I like I said, I like the Cisco buy a lot. Um, I like the majority of your team. Uh, the only the only questions I got is like, what are you gonna do saves wise? You've got hand, and then you, oh, I guess you got Alvarado and Brazier, so you're probably okay on saves. Yeah, I'm waiting. I mean, in this format, I don't think I've ever finished lower than fourth in saves in any year in AL talent. I end up, I tend to do well in that category. I, I think I said a month ago uh, that I used the stat line about one pitcher. Every every year, one reliever strikes out 100 guys and saves 40 games, and it was Jansen, Jansen, and Diaz last three. Hands the guy that I've said is the guy for 2019. Uh, and so closers went a little more than normal, too. I mean, like Blake Trinan went 23. I paid 22 for hand shortly, right around there. But then, uh, you know, Giles went 18. LeClerc went 19. And LeClerc went just beforehand. And I was, I think I said 18 on LeClerc. Because, again, I wasn't locked in, even though I made that prediction for Brad Hand. It was all about price. And so I think I said, I think I was on the even number bids on the LeClerc train right up until the end. Uh same thing with Trinan. I, I want to say I got the 20 with Trinan and then bowed out uh, to that point. But that's what I ended up going the extra buck on hand because at that point, when I looked at it, I said, okay, I've tried these other bids. They've gone to this point. This is, you know, this is the one guy. And then Osuna ended up going 22 after. Uh, so I felt a lot better about Brad Hand at 22 when Osuna went for 22. Uh, but so with Alvarado, I just think if Alvarado, like if they had done the, the Jordan Hicks news with Alvarado heading into last weekend, Alvarado pushes 20 bucks. So I, I saved some value there, and then we're not going to find out who the Boston closer is until opening day. There, Alex Cora is not hinting at anything. Yeah, um, I think but it's, it's I think it's going to be a wide open battle. I think yeah, both both guys are just going to kind of split at four dollars. I don't I don't care. I mean, I, I compared Brazier to Bob Workman. Well, and it's four dollars for your third closer in an NL right. or in an AL only. So. Uh, it's it's not a big deal if for some reason you got end up you end up cutting him because he's he's the setup guy. Uh, that being said, the fact that you lost Fulmer, uh, Josh James most likely not starting uh, with a major league club. Yeah, are you worried about wins and strikeouts? Uh, a little. I mean, I I I only took Marco Estrada on the reserves and I have him in there right now, uh, so it helps. Uh, just for the uh, you know, just to have another pitcher around because right now I'm down two pitchers and I Fab the first Fab runs Tuesday night. Obviously, I want to grab another pitcher uh, that I can get some stuff. But with strikeouts, I'm not as concerned because again, I've got Alvarado and I've got Hand. I've got two high strikeout relievers there, uh, and so that's gonna that's gonna help offset some of that. Uh, Oda Rizzi again, if he doesn't get exposed the third time through the order, he gets his strikeouts and then. You know, Paxton. I have I had Paxton projected. If I go back and look what I what I have Paxton down for. If I go to pitchers and then switch over to me, uh, I have I have Paxton projected for 200 strikeouts. I had Brad Hand at 95. Uh, again, when I'm making the prediction of him getting to 100, uh, that's the in the realm of possibility. I have Hap at 170, Odorizzi at 145, uh, Pineda at 125. So, you know, uh, Alvarado at 85. So I have enough right now. I just need to find some uh, some guys to fill in the gaps. Okay. Yeah, uh, overall, I like your team. I think it's uh, very strong. There's a lot of strong competition in this league, though, with, uh, you know, obviously uh, Glenn and Rick. Uh, 
who are uh, the, the returning champs. Uh, you guys also added Mike Gianella this year. Chris Liss is always strong. Doug Dennis, always strong. Jeff Erickson, always strong. So We added Howard Bender this year. I mean, yeah. we've got a lot. Well, it I, is a... I, I wouldn't say Howard is, is strong. <laughs> <laughs> we've added – we've added – it's a deep – it's a deep league. And, man, do I want to win. I am so – 13 years, man. I need, I need a league title. I need to see my name on that menu. I'm tired of seeing other people's name on that menu. I want to see my name on one of the dollars. I'm going to come in and just make it rain. I'd like a sleeper in the bust uh, tout wars sweep. Let's uh, Paul, nice. Paul take the points league. I'll take NL and you take AL. So yes, that that would be. We will have a we will have a nice little party podcast at the end of the year if that somehow happens. Yes, that would be tremendous. So, all right. Well, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, you are going to be traveling and watching some baseball next week, so we will. Uh, take that off unless paul and i decide to record or i just decide to bring on a guest or something like that maybe i'll do yeah. a, a solo episode with ian or uh bring on a different guest something like that uh we'll, we'll i'll figure it out so uh kind of just depends on how much uh, sleep i want to get and how much baseball i want to watch yeah that should be my last but i uh i'm taking the train I, I get out to portland at 10 like 10 o'clock saturday night i wake up and take a 7 a.m train amtrak from portland to uh, King Street Station or whatever it is in Seattle, go to the game, and they come right back to Portland, and then oh, sleep. I mean, it's going to be a, it'll be a long weekend. I've got a big conference Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in, in downtown Portland, and uh, Portland's so it's an awesome consume. city, though. I haven't been in years. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, I, it's been a long time since I've been to Portland, but it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't had a West Coast trip in a while, and obviously going to going to t-mobile stadium or uh whatever field whatever they're calling uh seattle it's it's stadium number 27 for me and oh, wow. uh first time yeah so i'll just have oakland kansas city and cleveland left i'm hoping to get cleveland this summer so i just got to figure out a way to get to kansas city and just bite the bullet and go to oakland <laughs> well when you come to oakland i'll i'll uh, i'll meet you there for a game since it's so close yeah. to me we can... that or i want to put it off until they get a new stadium but that's kind of what my delay has been is been like hey let's get a new stadium then i'm gonna go because i mean obviously i've already been to arlington but next year i'm gonna have to go to the texas ballpark too mm-hmm. uh as they add that because like i have regrets of not going to um uh, going to old comiskey or old tiger stadium before mm-hmm. they blew them up uh i will not have regrets if i miss oakland you don't <laughs> want to be in the there. concrete palace <laughs> will not have regrets if I miss that one. I mean, I went to the old Baltimore Memorial Stadium. That's really like the old, uh, you know, I went to that. The, Yankee, the old Yankee Stadium went there. I never made it to Shea, but again, whatever. Uh, but old Baltimore Memorial Stadium was a really cool one for me to go to. It was my first American League game. I was 15 and saw them play the Twins um, the year after they won the World Series. And it was uh it was cool. Just park a neighborhood, kind of walk through, and hey, you're in Baltimore Memorial Stadium, uh, and I enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I have not seen nearly enough stadiums, so that's definitely something uh, on my bucket list. One, I'm not a travel wizard like you. I don't like to fly. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. My job has definitely afforded me the opportunity to go to a lot of games because yeah, you know, living on the East Coast, it's not easy. Uh, like it's it's four hours to Atlanta. It's uh, on a good day. It's seven and a half to DC. 
Mm. On a good day, it's actually easier for me to drive to Pittsburgh for a game than it is to go to D.C. for a game. Well, D.C. traffic uh, is just atrocious. That's the problem. I mean, at least for Pittsburgh, it's straight up 77 uh, for me to get to and go to a game. And and going to Cleveland, Cleveland's about an eight-hour drive. And so I can I can get to Cleveland. That's what I want to go to this summer. Uh, you know, my son's birthday is in the middle of the summer, and we're looking at doing that. And but that's it. I mean, those are my drivable. Tampa Bay is 10 hours from me. And... Yeah, that's it. I'm kind of limited. I would love expansion to get another team on this side of the country, especially in the southeast. Yeah, I've never actually sat down and written it all out to figure out how many stadiums I've been to, but I can't imagine I've even been to 10 at this point. So uh, that's that's something that's got to change. Got to figure that one out. But uh, yep. yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, so I will talk to you in a couple weeks, Jason. All right, man. See you.